MIT Sloan is one of the magic M7 MBA programs, a top program where 97% of grads had jobs three months after graduation, and the median base salary for 2022 grads was a cool $165,000 per year. Sound good? Let's find out how to get accepted in this interview with its assistant, Dean Donna Levinson. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 498th episode of Mission Straight Talk, Accepted's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Are you ready to apply to your dream MBA programs? Are you competitive at your target schools? Accepted's MBA admissions quiz can give you a quick reality check. Just go to accepted.com slash MBA quiz, complete the quiz, and you'll not only get an assessment, but tips on how to improve your qualifications. Plus, it's all free. Again, you can use the calculator at exhibit.com slash MBA quiz to obtain your complimentary assessment. It gives me great pleasure to have back on Admission Straight Talk, Donna Levinson, Assistant Dean at MIT Sloan School of Management. Donna earned her bachelor's and master's in management science at MIT Sloan, became a partner at Accenture, and then returned to MIT Sloan in 2007 as Associate Director of Academic Programs. She moved into admissions in 2012 and became Director of Admissions in 2013 and Assistant Dean in 2018. Donna, welcome back to Admissions Straight Talk. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Now, I'd like to start with some general questions and then move into more admissions-related topics, okay? Sure. First question, my basic in- intro question, can you give us an overview of the MIT Sloan full-time MBA program for those listeners who just aren't that familiar with it, focusing on its more distinctive elements? Absolutely. So I think I would begin with class size. Our two-year MBA has a class size of roughly 410. Um, You may have some friends who just graduated in the past year or so, and their class size was slightly bigger. And as a result of the pandemic in 2020, when there was a fair amount of uncertainty, we actually did grow the class size. However, it was never intended for that to be permanent. And so we have slowly worked our way back down and fundamentally the class that just matriculated and moving forward class size will be approximately 410. We have a one semester core and then three semesters to really shape the curriculum as you see fit and based on your interests. As much as you as a student have flexibility in terms of your classes and shaping that, our faculty have a lot of flexibility too in terms of how they teach. So your classes will be a combination of traditional lectures and problem sets, um, a lot of project-based classes. We have a um, a subset of these project-based classes that are called our action learning lab classes, where you are either on a particular subject matter or with a focus on a certain geography. You're actually working on, as part of a team, working on solving a real um, problem for a real company and making recommendations to them um, at the end of the project. Okay, great. Thank you. Now, are you seeing any trends in terms of hiring? I saw some great headlines recently about the incredible bonus that one of your grads got. Where do MBA grads get jobs? So that's actually two questions in one. We just recently published our 22-23 employment report, and I'm taking these numbers right off of that. 
So uh, for those students who graduated in 2022, um, for those who were seeking employment, 31.2% um, of them ended up going into consulting. This is so interesting. 22.6% went into finance mm -hmm. and 22.6% went into technology. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> and then an additional 6.8% went into pharma, healthcare, biotech. All right. So, so those a bit are the, of a spread. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot going into consulting. I would have expected more in tech, actually. But uh, what's a little misleading is they may have gone into consulting, but they may have actually focused on the tech industry. Right. So right. keep that yeah. in mind. Yeah, yep. for sure. Okay. Now, I noticed when I was preparing for the call, obviously there is the one semester core, but I also something about optional core electives. So yep. core is required, optional is not. How does that work? Yep. So our students, our two-year MBA students spend their first semester taking core classes and you're actually part of a cohort of somewhere between 65 and 70 where you're taking all your classes together. And you're also assigned to be part of a core team of six or seven people where you're actually doing all of your work together. In addition to your core set of classes, you also have the option to take one additional elective and you can choose from marketing, finance, strategy, or operations for that additional elective. But those courses, which are most schools are part of a core or requirements are not required at, at MIT Sloan. You are correct. May I ask what are the core requirements? Oh, so they include microeconomics, DMD, which is data models and decisions, counting, communications. So those are your, your main ones. Okay, great. Well, thank you. But it is interesting. You have, you know, core. Anyway, it's, it's an interesting way to go. But I guess that means that if you've worked for an investment banker, you don't have to take finance one. Correct. So, um, right. Okay. And what are the tracks and certificates that Sloan offers and what is the difference between them? Yep. So flexible curriculum, however, if you are interested in finance or entrepreneurship and innovation or enterprise management, we have three tracks and you could, the tracks are very much MBA specific and you could really think of them as a roadmap. And so they provide you with some guidance on how to take your electives over the next three semesters. In addition, we have now four certificates. We have one in sustainability, one in healthcare, data analytics, and then we just introduced now, almost a year or so ago, one in digital product management. Hmm. Um, one of the differences would be that while the tracks, as I mentioned, are very much MBA specific, certificates are not. And in fact, sustainability and healthcare certificates will find students in them from throughout the institute. Analytics is actually too popular at Sloan across the different programs to be able to really open it up to others. And so that would be one of the differences. So the certificates also, think of them as a roadmap, core set of classes. It's a smaller number than the tracks. Um, and the question that I often get is, are they designed so that you could possibly combine them and do one of each? And that answer is also absolutely. Um, as you could imagine, perhaps doing the finance track, but then wanting to apply it to the healthcare space. Sure. The piece of advice that students do give if you're seriously considering doing a track and a certificate is to be a bit of a planner. Look ahead, lay out your courses. You know, there are some classes that are only offered one semester. And so to make sure that you're taking them at the right time when they're offered, 
it is strongly suggested to lay it all out in advance, but it is absolutely doable. Interesting. Okay. That sounds great. Now, every school has reputations. They're surrounding all, all programs. What don't people know about MIT Sloan that you would love for them to know? And what is a common misconception about MIT Sloan that you'd like to uh, dispel? So the misconception is definitely you do not need to have an engineering or STEM background to either apply or be admitted or do well in our program. Our students come from a very diverse set of backgrounds, studying different things in school, as well as actually from a work standpoint, having had many, many different jobs and job functions prior to actually matriculating. The other part of your question was... What, oh, what about Sloan? Would you like them to know? So I think it's interesting. I'm going to pick up on your finance point. I think it's fair to say that when many people are thinking about going to business school because they want to pursue a career in finance, we are not at the top of their list, that there are other schools who are more likely to be there, either because of their reputation or perhaps their location. Um, but what I think many students will tell you surprises them is that when they do show up, just how amazing our finance faculty are and how you know diverse the courses are that are taught. Our whole finance ecosystem, which is inclusive of classes and clubs and conferences, is a very pleasant surprise to many, many students. Well, it seems from your, your employment stats that you cited earlier, like that message might just be getting out. Yeah, I would agree. All right, great. Now, last time we spoke, MIT Sloan was waiving the test. It was in the middle of COVID. Today, a wa waiver can be requested if a candidate cannot access the GMAT or the GRE. Why the change? Uh, to be honest, the, um, the full not requirement was really never meant to be permanent. It was really in response to the fact that in the height of the pandemic, so this was really for the um, 21 matriculation, so the 2021 application season, it was very difficult for many of our candidates across the world to have access to an in-person exam, or even quite frankly, in some cases to an online exam. We did not want anybody to be disadvantaged. And given just the global nature of our applicant pool in our class, we thought that that would make sense. What we did at the time to address that was we also added a new section to our application where people could very easily provide us with additional information, such as could have done this before, but we made it a little bit more visible. Other certifications you may have, online classes you may have taken. Again, never intentional. So that was the 21 season for the class of, for 22, those who just matriculated this past year, um, we implemented the waiver and we were somewhat lenient with that waiver as well, sort of weaning ourselves from that. And then this past year um, or the year that we're in right now, we continue to have a waiver, but we have much stronger language around the specifics of what the intention is for the waiver. And it's truly meant for people who don't have access to an exam. Got it. Yeah, I, I we've talked, you know, since before COVID and I noticed the the, the difference and, and I, I sense that while it's only one data point, you kind of missed that data point when it was being waived more liberally. So the truth is we have the rare opportunity to be able to actually look at that with a live data set. And we mm -hmm. are in fact, so stay tuned. Okay. Okay. I'll stay tuned. Any plans to accept the executive assessment or other graduate aptitude tests, MCAT, LSAT? 
Yeah, not at, not at this time for the two-year MBA. We do accept the GMAT or the GRE, um, and definitely mm-hmm. the number of the percentage of people who are submitting a GRE continues to increase what for our loan what, fellows. What was it last year? What was the what percentage that submitted GRE last year? Do you remember? Well, I do not know that off the top of my head. No, no problems. What were you um, going to say about MIT I, Sloan Fellows? Oh, so we do, though, in, in case anyone's listening, who is considering our Sloan Fellows MBA program, which is for people who have, on average, 14 years of work experience, we do accept the executive assessment, because quite frankly, that's the population it was designed for. Sure, sure. Now, I asked the next question last time you were on, but I'm going to ask it again, because the app at MIT Sloan is so distinctive. And I want applicants to understand the thought that goes into it. Yep. What is the what is the purpose of the different elements in the Sloan application? It is a very distinctive application. Oh, um, thank you. I hope that's a good thing. I, we, I mean, it, I assume it suits your needs. It, it might sometimes discourage an applicant or two from applying, but then they're the ones who are also less committed. So just let me just give an overview. There's a cover letter, one page resume, an optional short answer question, one minute video, one required letter of recommendation. And if you're in an organizational chart, if invited to interview, there are pre-interview questions and then obviously the interview. So do you want to go through that? Yes, except the one item you missed is the GMAT or GRE. Well, right. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, we discussed that. We already discussed that. Yes. We believe that our application process is extremely straightforward and that it's really an opportunity for us to get to know you as a candidate. As streamlined or as as it might be, there really are no embedded tricks here at all. And so let me just step you through a little bit. I like to think of the cover letter, the resume, and the video as a bit of a package that tells your story. Your resume is your work history. Your video, which is a 60-second video introducing yourself to your future classmates, is really your personal side. We do not expect this to be production quality. This is you holding your phone or a friend holding your phone and actually recording you. You can have a little bit of fun with it. Over the years, people have gotten pretty creative. But I would caution you to please don't get so creative at the cost of perhaps us not being able to hear the audio really clearly. Um, but have fun with it. So it's the resume, as I mentioned, and the video. And then the cover letter really ties it all together and begins to answer why MIT Sloan. Cover letter is 300 words or less. You can't possibly tell us everything um, that you want to, but you're telling us enough so that we want to know more. We then have the organizational chart. And to be honest, you should think about this perhaps even slightly differently as a relationship map. Stick your face in the middle of the page and then draw lines to other people with whom you engage at work. Do you have direct reports? Do you have peers? Who's your immediate supervisor? How many levels may that go up? We are not looking for the company org chart that anybody can find on the website. If perhaps you work in an environment that's project-based, it could be consulting or something else, feel free to submit your most recent project structure. It just helps gives us a little bit more perspective in terms of sort of your work and where you fit in. It is There is no wrong answer here. I promise you, we have never not admitted somebody solely on the basis of their org chart at all. Okay, good to know. Um, and if you are perhaps an entrepreneur and while you don't have any formal direct reports or 
think about, well, with whom do you engage? Do you have clients? Do you have customers? Do you have suppliers? These are the things we're looking for for the org chart. One letter of recommendation. Ideally, it is your current supervisor, but we know for a whole variety of reasons, you may not be comfortable telling him or her yet that you're going to business school. You may have just switched jobs. So we'll, and so you, they don't know you that well. One, one person, think of somebody who knows you well, can talk about the impact that you have made on an organization or a group, and somebody who is willing to champion you and spend the time to write a meaningful letter of recommendation. The two additional references are very similar to when you apply for a job and there are references. We're asking for their names and contact information in the event that we are looking for additional information about you, we feel pretty good about it, but perhaps there's just one or two lingering questions, we would then reach out to one of the recommenders. We would never blindly call them. We would always send an email, give them some context and ask to schedule um, a call. So you should let them know, but let them know that the chances of us calling them is pretty low. What else do we have here? The, the, those are our, oh, and then we just this year added an optional, and this is truly optional, short answer question, it's 250 words or less, that is, how is the world you come from shaped who you are today? It's really an opportunity to share more about yourself that you did not find a spot for somewhere else in the application. If there's nothing more for you to say, feel free to leave it blank. This is not the place to tell us why you had a lower undergraduate GPA than you would have liked or that you felt that you know you warranted. That is not it. And so again, this is truly optional and this is the first year that we're doing it. And so we're very interested in seeing you know, exactly what kind of information we get from that. Finally, in terms of our process, we have three application deadlines. We review all applications after a deadline. So you get no extra credit or you're not better positioned at all if you submit an application two weeks in advance, although perhaps you can sleep a little easier. And after an application deadline, we review all of the applications. We have a group of trained readers um, who read through all of our applications. And then a subset of people are invited for an interview. An interview is a required step in the process. It is by invitation only. This year, we are continuing to offer interviews via Zoom. Before the pandemic, they were, for the most part, in person. This is by no means a statement that they will continue to be Zoom forever. But for this year, we felt given you know, additional impacts from the pandemic, we would keep them actually at, at, at Zoom. They are roughly 30 minutes long. If you're invited for an interview, you're going to be asked to submit two additional pieces of information. One of them is a response to a question that is reinforcing the fact that we are a truly a mission-driven school. Our mission is to really identify and solve the world's biggest and most challenging problems in order to make it a better place. As one of the pillars of this mission, we believe that creating a diverse and equitable and inclusive environment is really important. And so tell us about a time that you contributed to creating a diverse environment. The second one, again, have fun with this, is we're asking you to submit a data visualization that has some meaning for you. You could have either read it online, found it in a magazine, or created it your own, whether it be for work or not. No wrong answers here either. 
for the most part. And the range of topics that we get are fascinating. It really runs the gamut. There are, you know, there are ones that are, have been around COVID, around sustainability, healthcare, gender inequality in the workforce, you name it. And most likely, if your interviewer will ask you to talk about it as an initial icebreaker at the very beginning of your interview. So be prepared to talk about it. The interview itself, as I mentioned, is 30 minutes long. We may begin with this icebreaker. We may have a few questions about the application. Are there some gaps or holes or outstanding questions we might have? And then we're gonna spend a good portion of that 30 minutes asking you a series of behavioral questions. I know that you can now Google behavioral questions and you can get hundreds of them. So if you feel the need to prepare and practice with friends, go ahead. And then finally, in the end, we will ask you if you have any questions. The well, one thank thing you. I- wow, that was fantastic. It was a great overview. <laughs> the one thing you were going to say? Oh, the one thing I was going to say is have a question or two prepared. These should be questions that you can't easily find on our website. Some people think that it sounds good to say, you know what, I've done all my homework, I've talked to a bunch of students, and I have no more questions left. I know that sounds like it could sound impressive. The truth is, it's a real missed opportunity. So have right. a question or two available. I mean, there should be a question in their mind. Anyways, other than that, what's the most common mistake that, that you see applicants making? Yeah, so the most common mistake is trying to stand out in an inappropriate way. Perhaps, you know, the provocative is the best word I can use um, on your video or perhaps in your cover letter where you talk about subject matter that has a shock factor tied to it. You <laughs> use unprofessional, inappropriate language. It happens every year. There's a handful of them, um, you know, aside from just not following instructions. You know, we, 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 I believe are very reasonable. You know, if I, if we ask for a cover letter to be 300 words, we are not word counters. If it's 310 ish, no big deal. If you submit a five page essay, it raises yeah. a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Can you touch on MIT Sloan's early admissions program? Whom is it for? In. How can one yep. get in? So we launched this back in 2019. This is very much for people who are either finishing up undergrad or graduate school and have not yet worked full-time. You can apply to our MBA program, be admitted, and then after two years of work, decide whether or not you want to come. You have a two to five year time period to matriculate with our MBA program. You will have a seat in our class. We will reach out to you every summer, ask you if you think that the following September might be the time you want to matriculate. We'll have a call with you to see what you've been doing. You know, For the most part, we're pretty reasonable as long as you haven't been sitting on the couch for two plus years. Then we will ask for your deposit we will ask for you to truly commit at the tail end of our round one timeframe. So in early December, and we will fold you into our round one accepts, admin events, admin weekend and deposit timeframe. All right, great. Thank you for that. Before I, I leave the early admissions program, I mean, I know it's for people who are graduating college or completing a graduate program and have not yet worked full time, but that's a very broad category, right? Can you give a little bit more? I mean, I, that would be millions of people. Can you give a little uh, more detail? So I think I think people who sense they might be interested in pursuing an MBA down the road. I think people who 
our planners who, you know, the GMAC folks will tell you that if you if you're considering taking, you know, applying to business school, the best time to do it is actually while you're a college senior, because just that whole mindset and comfortableness with taking exams. And so our application is very similar to our MBA application. We don't have the org chart because we recognize that you haven't necessarily been working full time, but we're looking for evidence of, we call them competencies of very similar to what we would ask for the two-year MBA. We just recognize that we're looking for this information perhaps in, in first of all, in a different amounts and is in different locations. So if we're looking to see evidence of relationship building, and for the two-year MBA, we would most likely be, you know, really focused on your work environment and building relationships there. For those who are applying to MBA early, it may be in the classroom, research, perhaps you're involved in your sorority or fraternity, you play a sport. So looking for similar evidence, just in different locations. Thank you. Did you want to say something? I do actually. If Go that's ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So yes, so we do have our round two deadline coming up in January. However, as a result of a lot of the recent layoffs that have taken place, we have actually just announced a round two extension hmm. for people who may have been impacted by this series of layoffs. And so that deadline will in fact be February 23rd. And that's, that's just for tech workers who have been laid off. So we have chosen not to specify a field because there could okay. be a ripple effect. Right, right. But for, so for anybody, laid off. Yep. So if you, you're listening now and this has happened to you, you have three months, which we feel is sufficient time to really prepare, study for an exam and submit an application by February 23rd. Okay. And do you have to have suffered the layoff after a certain date, is there any parameters on that? Just be yeah. currently laid off. Okay. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Yep. We're going to leave this cycles, but thanks for sharing that information. What advice would you give to someone thinking ahead to a fall 2023 or even 2024 application? All right. So fall 2023 is right around the corner. Okay. And I would actually say- I'm so glad to hear you say that. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I think it's fantastic. No, I think it's fantastic. When applicants start the plan, or maybe I'm a planner, start the process early. Oh well, I, I and I, I will say it's never too early. You want right. to be, you want to have, you know, you, you're creating your list of schools, and you should engage with each and every one of those schools as much as you possibly can, whether it be virtually or in person or through these podcasts um, and other mechanisms, because. You know, every school has a personality. It does. That personality is made up of certain tangibles and certain intangibles. So for example, class size, which I was the first thing I talked about. I think that's something that people should make note of when they're putting together their list of, of schools. Some people want a mm -hmm. bigger, you know, student body than others. But fundamentally, you know, it's never too early to start engaging with different schools, attending events virtually in person, and really starting to narrow down your list to schools that really resonate with you. Great, great suggestion. And, uh, you know, assuming leadership roles, all that stuff, if you haven't already done it, I think it's really important as well. What would you have liked me to ask you? So... For those of you who follow me on LinkedIn, you saw I just celebrated 15 years at MIT. Congratulations. 
I didn't, I, I do follow you, but I didn't see that. So I missed it. Congratulations. Uh, Actually, no, I did. I commented. I did see it. Which yeah. is a long, it's a long time. And I get the question, you know, why do I stay? And the truth is, it's not just that I stay, but every day that I drive into work, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I get to work here every day. And this is 15 years in. MIT is a very special place. Yesterday, we had an overview of our sustainability certificate. Like uh, people from the certificate came and really drilled down on the sustainability work that's happening here at Sloan and at MIT that you can really engage with as part of that certificate. It is, it is really trying to make the world a better place. We as a school have a very strong mission statement. I believe in it strongly. And for me to be able to play some small role in that, I find very fulfilling. That's fantastic. I'm so glad you chose to answer that question. Congratulations again. And now somewhat in person on the 15 years. So I want to thank you for joining me today. Where can listeners and potential applicants learn more about MIT's full-time MBA program? Yep. So you can go to mitsloan.mit.edu. Wonderful. We're going to include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 498 to the site that Donna just mentioned, as well as to related articles and interviews. Again, they're all linked to at accept.com slash 498. Quick reminder, don't miss the MBA admissions quiz. Find out if you're really ready to apply, competitive at your target schools, and what are the tips that you can use for improvement. You'll get those all, all by taking the quiz at exhibit.com slash MBA quiz. Listener, thank you too for joining Donna Levinson and me for our 498th episode. I'm pausing on that time because I'm rather proud of it. If you find the show worthwhile, please subscribe. Make sure that you don't miss any future shows, be they with admissions,